I love today's podcast. QB stock game. First time ever we're doing it with the ringer. We're going to run through our quarterbacks and their share prices that I've come up with a very simple formula. We'll do life advice, but the highlighted today is Brad Wingfield, hockey badass, star of a new Netflix documentary. This is one of the best interviews we've ever had the chance to do here on the podcast. I know you're going to love it. It's the Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older. 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. La Quinta by Wyndham has everything you need for your next business trip. From free high-speed Wi-Fi to fitness centers to free bright side breakfast with fresh waffles, eggs, and more, book direct at lq.com. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. I'm excited for today's podcast. A little, little different thing here. The Brad Wingfield interview, uh, a former grinder through minor league hockey uh, as we said at the top this netflix doc he's incredible interviews great and we'll do life advice but we did this game and i'll ask Rudy about this and i i shared all the prices so i'm going to explain how it works it's the qb stock game we used to do it for years on the radio show it's something very simple um you guys can kind of play along um if you email life advice constantly with your portfolio we're just going to delete them all because we don't care that much but it's just something that we did on the radio show. And did we do it? Sorry, we did it with Van Pelt and then Canel ruined it, right? Once we did it with Canel. Yeah, there's kind of I love Danny, but there's kind of a habit there, right? I don't remember exactly what it did. There was like some some price manipulation, I think. You know, we were talking about Jameis Winston's price beforehand, which is a total scam. I'm sure Danny would have been all over that beforehand because his, I think his price is at like a dollar fifty now, which of course is gonna go up. It's basically a no-brainer. I don't remember exactly what Danny did though. He just ruined all the games. He just did. And we love him. But every time it became this thing, he would find ways. Like when we did the fantasy QB thing where we had like just a quarterback, he would go into the commercial break and then say, hey, I picked up a guy. We're like, no, there's like a waiver part. You can't just randomly be picking up guys through five weeks, five days of the show. And he was like, no, I did it. That's what I did. And you just be like, all right. So, hey, guess what? It's over. And I quit that one on the air. And then I think they got mad at me for leaving the studio or something like it was some big. You walked in front of a camera. Remember, oh, that I was walked, a big deal. Yeah, yeah I walked in front of the camera. We had such a buttoned up operation there that, you know, that was definitely going to ruin our rating for the day. Um, that's right. Do, yeah, that's right. <laughs> they were like, hey, you know, try not to step in front of the camera. <laughs> but like, we haven't had a TV only segment go right in four months. So like, I'm ruining the show. I'm, I'm, I'm messing up this, this, this broadcast on ESPN news that none of you care about. Okay. Got it. Yeah. The TV side of the show. I mean, it was at first, it was like a a constant source of headache for me. And then it just became a comedy hour every single time. It would just be something would go wrong and I would laugh and you would like death stare me sometimes because you're, I was like the only guy that you can sort of project onto. But at the end of the day, like it was weird months in, there would be mistakes. And I'd be like, you know what? This is hysterical. Like for example, the Andre Godala block, which was the all timer. Where it was like, hey, we, or, I'm sorry, it was the the LeBron block, yeah. And we asked TV to get a LeBron, the LeBron block, the block. It's called the block. Uh, 
one of the greatest in NBA history. And instead, we got like a block from LeBron and Steph Curry in a meaningless second quarter play. And uh, I just remember you staring at me. You had like laser eyes through the through the glass. And I was like, this is it can't get any worse. Here we are. <laughs> I didn't mean to start the podcast here, but it is it is very true um, that we did not have. I mean, the TV broadcast got worse and worse and worse in the history of the show of Van Pelt and I. And then it got even worse once he was gone. Like at first there was like a real TV staff. We had a researcher. Um, like the whole thing was like a real deal. People being pre-show. And then they were like, okay, now you're on ESPN news. Still up? We're good. And now, and now Van Pelt's gone. And I would just go like, what's the goal? Like, I can't believe you guys. I, I get to the point with the TV people. Like I'm just, honestly, after a year or so, I'm impressed. I can't believe you guys can keep making this many mistakes a week. Like, this is incredible. And you're right. Yeah. Hey, can we get the Iguodala block from LeBron NBA finals? Perhaps the one of the definitive moments in the history of this game. And they're like, yeah, no problem. We'll have it ready for TV only. Got it. 55. And then, you know, you come back on TV. It's just you. You're in a room and they're running a block. They're running a block from like game two. (laughs) And you just go, how, how does this, how does this happen? My favorite TV part that we had, and Kyle will get to this here quickly, but we had a guy who used to, like, there weren't many chairs. There was more people than chairs always. And there was a couple females that worked on the show. And you would just be like, look, the hosts are probably going to sit there because they're their host chairs. But then there's other chairs. And you'd be like, look, you got to get to get up. And there's this one dude, as soon as the chair was there, he would just take it. He didn't care if it was the main producer's chair. He didn't care if it was the host chair. He didn't care. The guy had to rest. He had to sit down. And he would screw up uh, the end of the TV hour all the time. And finally, I was like, dude, I can't believe you keep screwing this up, man. He's like, honestly, dude, it's not really my priority. And I was like, you work on the TV side and you just said out loud in front of everybody that works on the show that this isn't really your priority. Like you have other stuff today to do and yet you're assigned to the show. And then um, I'd heard later he was talking shit about me and I was like, good, good. I'm like, good. I don't want that guy to like me. All right, moving on. Um, QB stock game. <laughs> It went, it went well for a while and then didn't. Here is how it works. We look at QBR, which you can find anywhere now uh, where stats are sorted. And we use QBR because it's 0 to 100. So you look at a quarterback's QBR and you divide it by 10. So let's say a QBR for any quarterback is 50, right? So that means divided by 10. And now it's 5, right? Pretty simple here. And then your win-loss differential is worth either 25 cents a win on the positive side, or minus 25 cents if you're below 500. So if a quarterback went 8-8 eight and eight with a QBR of 50, he would have a flat share price of $5 a share, right? Pretty simple. Now, if you had a quarterback who went 10-6, and six, you would add a dollar to his share price. So that means QBR of 50, $5, plus 25 cents a win, four wins, $1. His share price is $6. So I want to make this very simple so that everybody can play along. So if you look at, say, Mahomes, who's the highest share price of anybody, his QBR was 78.1 divided by 10, right? $7.81. But you're adding $3.25 of win differential because he went 14-1 and in his starts. That's the other thing you have to make sure you pay attention to we don't want to be giving guys 25 cents a win or docking them 25 cents a loss because the team went six and ten it has to be in the games that he started based on footballreference.com so the exercise here is Saruti, kyle and i all with a thousand bucks 
We're going to pick four quarterbacks. You can diversify your bonds, your portfolio, any way that you want to. We do not issue shares for rookies. Rookies are not public companies right now, and we do not, as Saruti said. The problem with this ever being a real thing is there's usually like one or two guys that just have a screwed up number where it's almost a guaranteed profit. So that's why when I actually talked to a business about this once, I was like, you'd have to figure out a, a way to, to make sure because the rest of it's actually a lot of fun. But we can't issue Jameis Winston at like $1.15 a share here because just based on that alone, you're going to make money here. There's a couple guys you'd like to short. We're not going to do that. So we don't have prices for Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence. Um, Mitch was another one. We didn't do a price on Cam Newton. But we have prices for basically everybody else who played last year and is the projected starter for this year, except for Jameis Winston. As we said, it just it doesn't make any sense because you're going to make money because the share price is – he's below, I think, even Sam Darnold. And Darnold is 32.9 QBR and then minus $2 going 2-10 and 10 in his start. Sam Darnold's $1.29 a share, which actually – is probably one of the guys you would want to buy because just him being average with Carolina not going two and ten means there's probably a profit there for you. So does everybody understand, Kyle? Everybody's good here. Okay, all right, um, Kyle. Why don't you go ahead with your first position and we'll, we'll we'll get the ledger here. Okay, so you got your pen, pen and pencil ready? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, well, so I'm going to say in the email that you sent, you said you can't pick how you want to do your shares. I thought you meant you can, but if you go back to the email, you'll see that you wrote can't. Um, so I just divided these equally and I'm actually happy I did it because I believe in these guys equally. So my first one's going to be Teddy Bridgewater, 64 shares of Teddy Bridgewater. All right. Little 64 shares of Teddy Bridgewater. 393. Okay. So Teddy B, 393. What was the number again? 64 shares. Okay. I too have a, uh, I'm going after some Bridgewater as well, but you know we'll save that for a little bit later. Saruti, you want to go? Yeah, I guess I'll just I'll go with my number one guy, or at least the guy that I have the most invested in. Uh, give me 108 shares of Matt Stafford. He is four dollars and sixty three cents a share. That's over, just over half of my money. Um, I feel like so. I my strategy was I went with one safe guy, which I think is Stafford, and I went with three kind of risky bets. I don't think there's any way like what was killing Stafford is he was minus six in the win loss ratio. Even if they're at five hundred. I'm getting $2 a share right off the bat. I don't think he's going to be any worse of a quarterback under Sean McVay. That seems like one of the safest bets on the board. I, too, am putting half my portfolio into Stafford. Uh, I'm at 107 shares of Stafford. I'm with you. I think he's going to be better statistically, and there's no way he's 5-11. and 11. And again, we have the extra game now. Um, I don't think he's – everything you just said is what I agree with. So as soon as I looked at all the numbers of all the guys, I was like, all right, I'm going to put money into Stafford here. Uh, now, if he gets hurt, and how we'll do this is we'll look at our, our gains and losses, and you can get in and out of positions here. But it's a little bit like the real stock market. Like there's these established companies, and their stock price is whatever it is, but there's no real demand for it because people look at them and say, "Is there any room for growth?" So what you're doing here is it's a little bit like the market is you're trying to find like, yeah, you can buy Mahomes, but are you going to make any money on Mahomes? Is is Mahomes capped out at this point? Um, you know, I, I don't want to get into like what his real ceiling is compared to Amazon, but you get the point. All right, so 107 shares, half my portfolio as well for Stafford. Let's keep it moving. All right, Kyle, who else? Uh, let's shout out Justin Herbert with 46 shares at 551. Mm-hmm. 46 shares. Okay. Herbert, I think it's a good pick. I really do because it's um, it's got to be a better situation around him. 
It just has to be. Uh, that, that coaching staff towards the end, man. I mean, what he did despite everything last year is actually pretty remarkable. And I would think you're probably, what, banking on the record turning around there a little bit, Kyle? Yeah, don't, no doubt. And it's like, he's, how's he not going to be better next year? Yeah, he had a decent QBR, though. I mean, he was right there with Deshaun Watson. He did. He was 13, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, ahead of Kyle okay. Murray. All right, what else you got? Uh, so I I thought about Burrow, but uh, I'm sorry, I thought about Herbert, but I actually went with Burrow because I just think the upside is a little bit better, but I didn't have a huge investment there. So he's $3.60 a share. I only went 17 shares. That's $61.20. Um, I just kind of feel like this is all upside. Uh, his loss win-loss record was already terrible last year, so it really can't get any worse this year. I just think he's going to have a better QBR, really. And if the team is marginally better, which I think they could be in that division, especially if the Steelers aren't as good as people think they are, um, I think there's a little bit of upside. So 17 shares of Joe Burrow, not much risk, all upside. Uh, look at us, Saruti. Same wow, page we do the so same far. thing. Everyone thinks we think alike already. This is this is not a great start. I got 41 shares of Burrow. I, okay. I think it is. Uh, I went I went a little heavier on him than you did, but they. I don't know if that offensive line is going to be all that much better. But he's a, he was minus a dollar twenty five the two seven and one record. All right, Kyle, next. Okay, uh, you might think I'm crazy for this one. Uh, I got 40 shares of James G at $6.15. Wow. Prince Aladdin? That's actually his nickname, which is that offensive? Um, on Pro Football Reference. Well, you know how much I love nicknames no one's ever heard <laughs> That's of? That's great. <laughs> I, I saw that as I, was, as I was calculating Jimmy's price last night. I was like, wait, what? Is his nick- he has... Jimmy GQ, I've heard. Prince Aladdin, I had not. I had not heard that one. All right. Um, that's. I still think it's six fifteen a share. That's kind of high for him. Yeah. And he might get benched. You think he's going to get benched? I finally, I heard enough stuff on Bill Simmons' podcast talking with people that they're like, he's like, he's going to be the guy for this year. And then who knows about next year? Oh, that he may play. Right. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's pretty clear the coach doesn't love him. Right. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, there's not much risk there. I don't think like he'll, he'll, he'll probably put up decent stats. They're going to be a winning team, but is the upside there? That's my question. I like Stafford at 463 a share more than I like Garoppolo. It's 615 a share. So that's, yes. that's where I would push back. But Hey, look, it's your portfolio. You know, doesn't mean I'm right. Take okay, a risk, so- man. Jimmy yeah. G he's the, like he's it. the golden boy. A little Homer there. There you go. It's all right. Uh, all right. So am I up next? Yeah. Right. Um, yep. let me do, let's just, this is my favorite one. I think this is a no-brainer, and it's probably the one I'm going to make the most money on. Give me Sam Darnold. He's $1.29 a share. Give me 225 shares of Sam Darnold for $290.25. Again, this is my favorite of them all. This is Jameis would have been the favorite if he was allowed. This is almost this should almost be illegal. But basically, I mean, he was the worst quarterback in QBR last year. I think he was 33rd of like all the guys ranked, at least like on the ESPN one that I was looking at. Um, he's not the worst quarterback in the league. He's going to be okay. He's going to a better organization. And his win-loss ratio was minus eight last year. I mean, it's probably not going to be, I don't think the Panthers are going to be a winning team, but if that's like minus four this year, th- th- I don't see any way that this doesn't quadruple at, at minimum. So I think if you're not having Sam Darnold in your portfolio, you're probably doing it wrong. I feel like I got a guy right now trying to sell me a car. Uh, <laughs> like, there's no way. So Darnold's QBR was 32.9, which again, as Saruti points out, is terrible. So you're at 329 a share, but then you get a minus two bucks or going two and 10. So yeah, 129 a share. I think it's a great buy. I'm with you. It's a little heavy. 
little little happier. I, I have a hard time believing you're going to lose money at hundred at one twenty nine a share. Uh, again, a dollar twenty nine a share. Okay, if he's bad, you're making money. <laughs> I, period. I, I, it's, it's crazy. So I don't know. This is kind of a scam, but it's all right. All right, that's fine. We'll let, we'll allow it. Uh, I'm going to go with Teddy Bridgewater as well, Kyle. And here's what I really love about him is I'm going to be in a heavy Teddy Bridgewater position. Fifty shares the first month. They have the Giants, the Jags, the Jets. They do finish with Baltimore. And then I may get out of that position. Um, Teddy Bridgewater is in a constant seesaw of people being like, you know, he's pretty good as Teddy Bridgewater with the other people being like, you know, he's actually not that great as Teddy Bridgewater. And they just go back and forth and back and forth. Um, it's not to the Kirk Cousins level, uh, because I think the Kirk Cousins part of it is funny is that his teammates don't seem to like him. Um, but I would, uh, I would say with Bridgewater here, I love that first month and at three ninety three a share. I would hope those numbers would be a little bit better. But, you know, do we do have an issuance on uh, Drew Locke as well at 287 a share. But I, I like what you did there, Kyle. So I, I was on point with that. All Wait, right. So last... you're saying I'm not married to Jimmy G forever, huh? Like I can get out quarterly or or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Can I just text yep. you anytime and just say I made a, I can text you. and No, I can't text you in 20 <laughs> minutes and say I made a huge mistake on Jimmy G. Here's what I'll we'll probably do. I'll have to wait. The next time we do this, it probably won't open the podcast. and we're gonna do every just like quarterlies right just what you got it whatever's coming in so every month we will reevaluate you get out of every position you want or not you know so you know whatever you whatever you feel like doing so all right last picks for everybody go ahead stafford uh 54 shares of stafford okay stafford 54 shares done so rudy might be on an island here. Uh, give me Carson Wentz, two ninety four a share, fifty shares. That's one hundred and forty five bucks. Um, again, it's kind of like the the Darnold thing, where it's, it's like he's he was terrible last year. His win loss ratio was terrible as well. I think the Colts could be a five hundred team. You know, if he stays healthy, and if he doesn't, I'm probably not losing much money anyway because he's not playing. So this is kind of all upside. And I this goes back to me. And Will Kane arguing about the car, uh, the Carson Wentz versus Dak thing. I'm still kind of team Wentz, even though he's been terrible for the last couple of years. So a little bit of a homer pick for me. But I think Wentz actually has a decent year if he stays healthy. Yeah, Will cashed a lot of checks on that Dak is better than Wentz thing. But I don't respect it. I don't respect it. Because if you're the basis of your analysis is I hope this happens for my favorite team. Yep. Then I don't care what the result ends up being. All right. Um, <laughs> guess who had 17 shares of Carson Wentz? <laughs> <laughs> Look, he's starting, right? It's 294 yeah. a share, 41.9. Go over a four-year span of who he's been. There's one peak weird year where he's terrific on his way to win an MVP. And then there's last year. And then there's a couple other years where you're like, hey, the worst version of this guy is like average to below average, which is a huge improvement from what he was last year. So 41.9 QBR. You dock him a buck 25 on the share price for a 381 record. I think a 294 share, that's fine. I did not spend all my money, 10% in gold. Nice. Um, I'll take some Bitcoin with my leftover. You don't have to spend every single dollar if you didn't want to, but it doesn't really matter all that much. But at least this way, if I just wipe out on all my guys, I still have a little something to play with here. I think that was the other thing with Canellas. We had to keep issuing him money again because he would he got it wrong a bunch of times. He just wasn't look, he's coming on the pod throughout the season. He just wasn't great <laughs> with some of these games on the show. And he, I don't he's think a that's scam really artist. Debatable. Like he he kind of scams things. Uh but you know, we'll always have go to the week was a great segment. Go to the week was way ahead of its time. And we should have you hated go it. to the week. No, I don't. I hated no, most hated of the it. ideas. Did I? Yeah, you hated it. 
Okay. We, we basically did it because it was funny that you hated the segment and Danny all right. got all hyped every week and I, I thought it was awesome. You know what? It was great and I was wrong. So I, uh, I apologize to him. Yeah. Hey, I made a mistake that year. <laughs> all right. Let's talk some hockey. Another heads up here for those listening in the car with children or some of you who don't love that we drop a bad word every now and then. Um, this interview in particular has more of them. So again, just a heads up for the parents, and the kids out there. It's an incredible interview, but it does get a bit aggressive. This episode is supported by State Farm. So look, a little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now by the end of the ride, it's a big crack. And it had been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call old school guy? Probably should call. It's like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time, said, do you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand it's all in front of me, all done. I don't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Not that long ago, we had Jermaine O'Neal on to talk about his new Netflix Untold special, um, but it's a series of movies, documentaries, and a newer one called Crime and Penalties. If you don't know anything about it, Jimmy Galante from Danbury, Connecticut, was in Waste Management. Some ties, perhaps, to the Genovese crime family. Buys his 17-year-old son, a hockey team, makes him president and GM. And the rest is history. And Brad Wingfield, who played for that Danbury Trashers team, for two years joins us. He's kind of the star, I thought, of this. Uh, so, Brad, thanks for joining us, man. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well, you guys. Thanks, thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, so let's do a little background on you. You're from uh, British Columbia. I'm running through the resume here. We're about the same age, so it looks like you were in BC juniors there for a bunch of years, probably like what, from where you'd be finishing high school, normal age into college. You end up at the Central Texas Stampede, Utah Grizzlies, New Mexico Scorpions, Central Texas Stampede, Bakersfield Fog, Corpus Christi Ice Rays, Bracknell Bees, Elmira Jackals, the Syracuse Crunch, Hershey Bears. I had a couple guys from UVM that played for Hershey. Elmira, Corpus Christi, because it was familiar again, different program. And then in 2004, uh, what happens when the Trashers call you up? Yeah, oh man. First off, um, sort of. So you guys saw the character T Bone there, Tommy Pompasello, and um, <laughs> it, when I was in Elmira, he was the equipment manager in New Haven, and we did not get along at all. This guy would always be chirping me. I remember he, he'd get me going so much, I'd be grabbing guys on his team and just beating the shit out of them, and uh, it, it was bad. I didn't like this guy, so 
in that summer there before I played for Danbury, this guy calls me up and I'm like, is this the fucking equipment manager from New Haven? Like he's recruiting me. I'm like, I thought it was a joke to be honest. And I remember him telling me about Jimmy and this team. And I was like, yeah, yeah, buddy. Yeah. And I remember hanging up and, um, I was set to go play in the LNAH in the Quebec league. And he calls me back again and says, listen, listen, winger, don't hang up. Hear me out. This guy, Jimmy's going to call you. I'm like, Oh, this guy, Jimmy, eh? Okay. And uh, sure enough, I think uh, the next day Jimmy calls and he says, uh, we'll fly you out here, you and your wife, Sarah. And I'm like, oh, free trip to wherever Danbury was. I didn't even know. I didn't know much about Connecticut even other than we played New Haven and Hartford. So uh, we get on a plane, me and my wife, Sarah, and we fly out there. And of course, T-Bone picks us up. And I'm like, it's like uh, this guy was just a character, right? So uh, anyways, he drives us in and like you said, see it untold, um, takes us to a dump. And I'm like, we're at a fucking dump here? Like, this is where Jimmy's at? Who's this guy? I don't even know anything about Jimmy. And um, we, we go through the dump and you enter the building and it sort of gets nicer as you go up levels until you get to the, I think the third floor Jimmy was on and he's got this beautiful office and really the rest of his history he introduces me to Jimmy. We sit down. We sort of talk. We don't really have a negotiation. <laughs> he sort of tells me what a T-bone offer you, X amount of dollars, and we'll pay. Well, I'm going to pay you more than that. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome, right on. And uh, throws ten thousand bucks out, and it's all, all bundled up, and slaps a UHL standard player contract down, and he's like, sign the fucking contract. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, what, what are you going to do here? Like, I got the vibe already. Like, who, who, like, this guy is somebody, right? I'm putting two and two together. I've seen The Sopranos. we got trash all in. This guy's got memorabilia, sports memorabilia all over his office. And, uh, you know, I guess the rest is history. I signed that contract. I don't think I had much choice. And uh, really, I'm glad that I, he, he did it that way. It was, you know, it always stick in my mind. And um, it was just, it was probably the best two years of my life. Um, playing hockey for sure. Now in the movie, they have a picture of you and they describe you. The T-Bone wants you because you just beat up six prison guards. What the, what's the real story there? Yeah. Uh, the real story there was I was in Elmira, Elmira, New York at the end of the season. And um, I was never convicted of that crime. I was, I was charged, obviously you can see, but um, this, so our season ended and there was um, a guy I think his name's Thomas Clayton. He's actually in prison for life in upstate New York for murder, having his wife murdered, if you can believe that. Check that out, Thomas Clayton. Um, anyways, I, I never really liked the guy, but again, he's my teammate. I'm sitting at the bar. This guy's on the dance floor. He's uh, he's dancing with the bachelorette party, and I guess he decides to gear down. So he's got, you know, he's naked from the bottom down, pants around his ankles, and I guess these four, I don't know if they were off-duty police officers or cadets or correction officers, something like that. I don't know, but there was three or four of them. And um, I guess they're shoving this guy, shoving Thomas down. He's trying to pull his pants up, and he can't get him up. And another guy, Jerry Hickey, rest in peace, he's passed away. He was part of the uh, – he was came with me. He was with me in Elmira and Danbury and uh, passed away at 35 years old. Um, anyways, he comes and gets me at the bar and says, can you help, help – uh, help um plates out and i look and i'm like yeah why don't you help plates and he had a cast on his arm right and he's and i so i turn around and i look and it looks pretty embarrassing these guys are shoving him down he can't get his pants up so i walk over there 
I shoved two or three of them off of him, off a of plate so he could stand. He stands up, pulls his pants up, and I just got sucker punched. And really, I just flew at it. I thought I was we're in the middle of the dance floor. There's like 30 people on the floor, and I thought it was about a seven second fight. It wasn't very, wasn't a lot. I didn't think. I knew I hit him a bunch of times, nice and clean. But that was that. The police came in. I told my side of the story. Um, stayed at the bar. I went home. And about five in the morning, my my door just got wasn't locked, but these guys just came right in, no warrant or anything. And um, you know, they took me into custody, and uh, ended up it was it was a malicious prosecution. I think they charged me with a second degree felony. Um, like it was a it was in the end, I had to write a public apology in the paper, and I was I think me and Clates both got a, a disorderly conduct, which is a misdemeanor, and. We didn't know who this guy was, and his, he had his dad and his uncle were high up in the uh, Elmira uh, PD. And you know, it's an unfortunate incident, but it's part of my past, and there's there's not much I can really do about it. I was just trying to help a teammate that I didn't really like, but he wore the same jersey as me, and so he's, it's hard to distinguish. Like I'm supposed to help these guys on the ice, but I remember my coach was throwing me under the bus, but I'm supposed to not help them off the ice. Like I don't understand that line. Like, I'm here to help these guys wherever. Well, that part was left out of the movie. So we just see you in a jumpsuit and we're like, oh my yeah. God, who is this guy? It's like right out of Con Air. Oh, um, no. So I'm glad I'm glad we figured that part out. Okay, so you get there, you're in Danbury. Financially, I think it's a better deal because it, it sounds like there's a oh. bunch of you guys that played. It were like, we were getting paid under the table. You guys had no-show jobs. The wives had no-show jobs. So you got paid more? Yeah, that's right. Just all different ways to... Um, to try to, to to pay us right the amount of money obviously we got we got a Danbury trash and check and that all has to be legit under the salary cap per week and I never actually got other than a couple times of getting ten thousand dollars cash I never got paid cash actually I would have like my trasher check and two or three other checks and they're always different every week like Danbury Carding Company this company uh, I was I've never worked for so many companies before in my life at the same time so it was just it was tough. <laughs> <laughs> now you get there and so at this point you know you know what galante's deal is and i'll, I'll tell you oh. like in the movie in the beginning when you're learning about aj I like again this is just me learning about it the first time i remember reading something about but it was like oh, i don't like this guy you know in the movie i'm like i don't like and then he kind of comes full circle and yeah, you're like yeah. you know what aj's not a bad guy in the beginning i was like there's no way i'm gonna like this guy and then i ended up liking him and even the father part of this were you guys like you guys all as teammates must have been talking about it, been like, dude, we've got a connected guy running this team. Like, were you afraid of him? Like, what was that? What was that vibe like? Because it all seems like you love him by the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not really afraid of anyone. Like, you just got to be you know how to hold 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 your own, right, and act appropriately. Um, was I concerned sometimes? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, his demeanor, it, it, um, his pre Jimmy's presence, it, um, definitely, uh, I don't know, gave you the heebie jeebies a little bit. Like, watch what you say and do, right? Um, as for AJ, you know, I was just shaking my head, like, well, I can figure it out, man. You got a connected guy here. This is his son. This is what he's doing. I'm not talking shit ever. Like, fuck, uh, dude, they're paying me super well. I'm just like, let's see what happens. And you know, and you know what? And so I never had that. AJ's a punk. I was like looking at him how he's dressed and stuff. And was like, yeah, he had a, but what, what are you going to do? And, um, uh, it, it, 
in reality, he did an awesome job, AJ. He was good at what he did. And for no experience, he was real good. And, and you know, I bet you, obviously, I think he had the confidence knowing no one's going to fuck around with him. And, and he wasn't, um, you know, he wasn't uh, um, acting like stepping over his boundaries because he knew that. He was pretty humble. So you're told to fight, what, the first line you've ever played for the Trashers? Well, I, yeah, fuck. I think I, that's something, though, I was planning to do anyways, but <laughs> um, you want to get in the history books, right? And I got that figured out early. If it's a new arena or a new franchise or whatever, you want to be the first one to fight. I do anyways. I already did. Just get your name in the history books. And, um, you know, I, there's more than one time where Jimmy all geek, I got the phone on the bench, which is, but the first time was really weird. I'm like, I can't take a phone like on the bench and T-Bone's like answer the fucking phone and like look up to Jimmy's box and there he is where he's holding a phone. So I'm like, oh, uh, hello, <laughs> you know, hello. <laughs> it's just wild. Yeah, I was just like taking him back. But I, and after I thought about it, I was just like, that's awesome. I've never awesome. No one. I don't think anyone's ever done that before. I'm embarrassed to admit how many of your fight videos I watched on YouTube uh, over the last uh, day or so prepping for this. You seem to have like fighting on skates and fighting on land. Give, give us the biggest, the best explanation of, of somebody who's done this for a long time. Because I imagine you've gotten to a bunch of fights off the ice too. Um, give, give me a sense of how different that is. Well, for me, it was like, the only thing we're not doing on, on the ice is, well, we try not to do is um, kick, but, you know, the odd kick might get thrown when the guy's down. But um, other than that, I was so affluent at both that it didn't really matter. Like, I was used to fighting in the street. I was just fighting as a kid. Like, I probably had 12 fights before I hit high school, you know, in grade seven. Like, I was fighting a lot in the street, and I was always playing hockey, and then I'm watching Rock'em Sock'em hockey. Don Cherry's growing up, and I'm like, well, how are you fighting the street? Like. I can skate really well. And then, you know, that's, it, it's a no brainer, really. Like, let's take what we do on the street onto the ice and boom. Now, did you have, when you were younger, you thinking like, hey, I'm going to play in the NHL? Or did you kind of know early on you were going to be a grinder, somebody that was going to be brought in to intimidate? No, I, I don't know. I always wanted, like, Wayne Gretzky was one of my favorite players growing up when I was little, right? And then as I got older, I started, oh, Bob Probert, Wendell Clark, Mark Messier, um, these type of guys, right? And I've been always been a huge wrestling fan. And I've always, as soon as MMA came out, I've just been a huge MMA fan. So it's sort of like I had the ability to play hockey and our end our fighting enforce so it was a cool thing to have and not a lot of the other enforcers had that ability that i did to put up 30 goals if they wanted i mean imagine if i just played hockey it i probably i don't know how many goals i could have scored in a pro year but it, it was never going to happen it was always super aggressive and and when you're in back in that era of hockey when you're throwing hits like that and running guys and chirping the bench you, the fights are going to come and do you see how much the fans get into that? And the, like how much you're loved at home and how, how evil you are on the road. And that's something that I really, I really, uh, really like to do is be a villain. Yeah, you did have 29 goals with Elmira in 2001-02, which I thought the listeners should know. Because when you, when you yeah. looked through your resume, I was like, oh, what happened there? Were you just like, hey, guys, laser show all season. I'm shooting. 
wow, I got, to, got the opportunity to play on a really good line with a guy, Randy Murphy, as my center. is just a dish master. And then he, David Lassard, I had a 50-goal score on my other wing. That went on for two years. And um, Like, if you look at my stats the first year in Danbury, I would have been on pace to, to around 30 goals. Like, I only played 20 games. It's an 80-game season. So do the math on that. I had seven goals and four assists in 176 minutes. Times all that by four and see what you come up with. I would have just smashed my own UHL penalty record and any pro record at all. I think it was on pace for nearly 800 minutes. So let's get to the peak of probably the story. Um, you get hurt, you break your legs. Josh Elzinger grabs you from behind. Now, we don't have the video footage. We can only see you on the ice with the broken leg screaming. Yeah. Can you give me the lead up? Because I have to imagine something happened with you yeah, and Elzinger. Yeah. For, yeah, so go ahead. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know this guy at all. Like, I, he's not an actual fighter at all. Maybe a middleweight. I don't even know. I don't even think he's a fighter. He's not a super small guy. He's not a real big guy. Um, so what happens, you guys know back in the day when you could ho hold up guys. So the puck was dumped in. My job's always when the puck's dumped in to run the fuck out of the, whoever's picking up the puck. Their weak side D-man is supposed to hold me up. And what happened is Delzinga went to hold me up and he had a stick out and it came up and just clipped me a bit in the mouth. So I just stopped and I was like, let's fucking go. And he's like, I'm not fighting you. Know, I'm like, your stick touches me like that again. I'm going to fucking shove it up your ass. And he's actually like, hey, man, I'm sorry. And I'm like, you're a fucking pussy, dude. And I turned to skate away and the guy grabbed me by the back of my shirt and just slew footed me, kicked my feet out and... My my edge got caught under me and under my body weight, just fucking snapped my leg. Like it's the dirtiest move you could ever do. Like that guy's my mortal enemy. If I see that guy anywhere for the rest of my life, it's go time. Okay, but that's the part when you say it's go time, you had Galante. Like, how does it play out where you're all seized up in bed with the broken leg and they found out where Elzinger's <laughs> home address was? So take us through that part of it. I was in the hospital, actually. Oh, okay. All right. Like, in the hospital bed, and Jimmy came in with, a, I don't know, three or four of his guys, and I'm like, look at these guys right out of Sopranos. What the fuck? And they hand me a piece of paper, and this is his home address, somewhere in Illinois. And I'm like, he's like, what do, you, what do we want to do about it? I'm like, what the fuck? I don't, what do we want to do? I don't know. Like, and I didn't say I want to do this or that. I was, we just sort of chuckled, and uh he handed me the paper i wish i still had that to show you guys so were you think like did you know what they did you take them seriously like because were they waiting for you to give the go-ahead here to go visit i imagine they were going to show up and fuck them up i mean it's, that's what it well, sounds like yeah. yeah i don't i don't know if he was half joking or half serious to be honest I, maybe he was serious um i honestly don't know but I thought it was pretty funny, and I, like it, that meant a lot to me just to even do that. I'm sure if I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do this, let's do this, something could have been done. But and on the other hand, he could have been half choking, right? I don't, I don't, I don't really know, and can't really say any. Now, here's what I would wonder: Does Elzinga see this movie and go, "Holy shit"? <laughs> Like, have you, have you heard from anybody like in your circle of friends? Cause the hockey community is actually like a lot of you guys growing yeah. up, y'all know each other. Um, totally. was there, was there any part of this where somebody hit you up after they saw this, Brad, and they're like, holy shit. And they're like, oh, I just talked to Josh or something like that. Is any of that got back to you or anything? No, no, I haven't heard anything. Um, other, a couple of my friends said they looked him up and he's a division three coach down in Florida. 
But um, no, we're sort of, he's from, uh, I think he's from Illinois. So he's an American from the East Coast. So he's, I think he's probably a bit younger than me as well. I don't really he know. Was. Don't, yeah, he was. Yeah, he's like six years younger, seven years younger. Yeah, yeah. And actually that can just... Being that uh, six years, you know, because that w- we would never cross over. Guys wouldn't cross over in junior at six year gaps, and um, so I don't really know a whole lot about him, to be honest. Other than I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> what did it mean to you um, the next time you get to face him? Because people didn't even think you were going to skate again, right? Oh, the doctor said that yeah, it's career-ending injury, and you know it's. Funny is I was actually I broke my other leg when I was 23 years old in Lake Charles, Louisiana, exactly the same way, but not not the same way. Like it wasn't a slew foot from behind like that, but a spiral broke my tibia at the top of my skate boot, spiral fracture my ankle, and uh, uh, broke my fibula at the top, just under my knee. So I've already had this injury on my other leg seven years prior. I think it is. What was the first thing you wanted to do when you came back then? Well, in, in Danbury? Yeah. Well, I wanted to play hockey, but I knew as soon as I saw Elzinga what, what was going to happen. Like, it's a, you have to. Like, I'm a, I'm, this, I'm a enforcer. I'm a warrior. I'm a fighter. I play for Jimmy and AJ Galante for the Trashers. Like, well, I'm not going to let the guy just fucking, oh, hey, Josh, how's it going? Thanks for breaking my leg. Like, fuck. Okay. Not a, cha- not a chance. And he isn't a fighter for, you know, for those that maybe don't understand hockey. Um, and I mean, I'm, you know, just a casual myself, but like, it's just, it's just understood, but there's also guys that are in different categories. Like, look, there's fighters for fighters. And then the, the scores, if a fighter steps to them are like, what are you doing? Like pick our fighter. You're not supposed to fight me, but there are the rare occasions where in this case, he knows he has to fight you. So what was that like as, as you're circling around the look on his face where and, and the code is he has to fight you like or his guys aren't going to have any respect for him. So what was that like? Well, like I'll, I'll tell you one thing. I was on the phone last night with Ruben Ender who ended up. He was with us. Right. And he's the only guy that went absolutely nuts when I broke my leg. Well, when the next year when we're playing Kalamazoo, Ender's on the other team. He's on Kalamazoo's team. And he he told me last night. He went and told he he told Elzinga, "Hey, luck man, like you got to do this. Like you have no choice. Like take your lumps. You got to." And that's the code, right? You got Ender's telling him he's got to do it. So I mean, give the guy credit, man. Like he took his he took his beating, right? Um, I was worse off with a broken leg than he was after the fight. I'm sure he was sore and had some bruises everywhere, but. You know, that's just the way it is. You're going to pull shit like that at that in that era of hockey. You're going to have to pay the price at some point. Have you ever gotten your ass kicked? Uh, I wouldn't say I got my ass kicked. I've been hurt in fights. Like, I've even won fights where, fuck, I came out worse for wear. Like, my nose is busted or stitches. My lips or teeth are missing. Like, I, I remember, like, sometimes I should have gone down. I was, I was getting fed my entree. But pride, you stand in there and, even sometimes you win, you lose. So it's a lose-lose business, but the fans like it. What I'm always impressed with your your style was that you didn't wait to get in. You would be like, all right, fine. Like your your pads, by the way, you looked like a defensive lineman out there when you were with the Trashers. Um, and you would get into the guy's body. And I don't know if you have a longer wingspan or what, but like other punches, that right hand you would connect with where it seemed like it was over or you didn't have a chance of getting him, and you would get him. And then what I also noticed is that you were a guy that when the fight looked like it was over, it still wasn't over. 
So nah, if nah. the guy was down, you never, ever let him be like, oh, he's down. Okay, we're done here. You would let him feel it a couple more times on the way down. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? That's uh, It all depends, too. If there's a guy that I got a ton of respect for, and our friend, maybe he's not getting a couple lumps on the on the ground, right? But other than that, especially if you're a rat or you're fucking pissing, especially like in Dan- Danbury, what what choice do you have? Like you want some of these guys are stepping on banana peels and shit like that, trying to oh I slept. Well, fuck you. Like stand up and take your lumps, man. Oh so, yeah, yeah, right. I get it. Yeah. What was uh, what was that like for you, the the boys, the wives, the girlfriends, being in Danbury and really being in this town a, a big deal for a very short amount of time? What was that like for you guys being home? Yeah, I know it was, it was awesome, man. The fans are they're they're probably the best fans. They are the best fans I ever played in front of, and like easy to approach. And we we I remember when I would be suspended or hurt, I'd go sit in section one hundred two, and they just loved it. And uh, they, they were wild. It was like a cult following in, in Danbury, more so like everywhere you play at home, the fans really like you, but they're, these guys have step it up a notch, man. Like in Danbury, they're, they're, I don't know, it's just a bit different there. What was the end like? Because in the movie, you're like, get me out of here. It's, it seemed to be abrupt. Yeah, it was ugly. And like, you know, something was coming down the pipe and Jimmy was sort of disconnected from the team and, um, same with AJ. They're obviously distracted. Um, I know that the the FBI interviewed a bunch of the hockey players, and I was not one of them. And I didn't want to be interviewed by them. And I don't. I didn't remember anything, anyways. So I don't know what they're talking about. But uh, you know, uh, my my son Jacob, my oldest son Jacob, was born in Danbury, and that that was you know Jimmy paid for that. I don't know if I ever mentioned that. And. Um, the insurance we had, I would have had to pay $30,000 for my son to be born there. So my wife would have had to stay in Canada. I talked to Jimmy and I like really wanted my son to be a dual citizen. And that's a gift Jimmy gave to him by paying for his birth in Danbury. My son is now a dual citizen and he'll have that for the rest of his life. So this is the type of shit that these, the Galantes are doing for you, man. Like it's unbelievable. I've never had uh, GMs, presidents or owners go out of their way to help, help me so much in my life. What's this been like? A whole new audience, a whole group of people learning about you. Yeah, man. It's, uh, you know, I, I was used to be back, back in Danbury. You know, I was pretty popular and all that. And how long ago was that? Oh, six. Like, that's a long time ago, right? I live in a little place here in, um, on the Sunshine Coast in BC in like a rural area in the woods. There's a market next door. I went over there Monday. It's a holiday to get some hollandaise sauce to make the family brunch and I'm taking selfies with people and signing autographs. I was like, what the, f-? like, what is going on? Like, I didn't think it would reach here. Like, I thought it'd be, out, you know, maybe in e- in the, on the East Coast around the New York Danbury area. It's, um, I, I drive a gravel truck for H&H Developments, a development company. I pulled into the um, Cardlock um, commercial fuel station yesterday get out of my truck and the guy's like, Hey man, can I get an autograph? And I'm like, another guy walks up and I'm like, Holy shit. Like what, what has, what has happened here? So I'm kind of caught off guard. I wasn't really prepared for that. Well, I'm happy for you, man. I, I really yeah. am. I, I enjoyed uh, the movie. I enjoyed your story and um, you know, it's something I didn't really know that much about, man. So congrats you know, to all the success for it. Yeah, thanks very much. And, you know, thinking about it, like, yeah, I, I put a lot on the line over the year after year and, and paid in blood and 
broken bones and all that. And it's, it's nice, especially this is the, my favorite story and my favorite team. And it's something that needs to be told. And I'm glad it's out there. And we'll just see. We'll see what, what comes next, right? One day at a time here. It's all a little overwhelming. And um, it's great to, it's great to uh, talk to guys like you guys and get the story out there even more. So I'm really proud. And uh, really, I'm really happy for the Galantes. They deserve it. They did a great job. Yeah, enjoy it. Seriously, because you never know. You know what I mean? Just yeah. enjoy it right now. So thanks again. Hey, thank you guys very much. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. You know what I hate? Hate is after lunch, there's all this time before dinner. I hate it. So I'm always like, do I do this? It's like, you should. Gain season? Throw in a little something extra, an appetizer that just starts hours before dinner. It just gets so frustrating when there aren't great options. That's where Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps come in. Available in your choice of ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for that afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Food buddies. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. La Quinta by Wyndham has everything you need for your next business trip. From free high-speed Wi-Fi to fitness centers to free bright side breakfast with fresh waffles, eggs, and more, book direct at LQ.com. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Before we jump into life advice, I'm, I'm so thrilled we have two new terms from Brad. Kyle, when you take your clothes off now, will you tell dudes around you that you're about to gear down? Yeah, I, I was actually... That's, that was awesome. I thought it, he was talking about something else for a second there. That's great. I love Canadians. He's like, yeah, Colts, he's, you know, he's gearing down over there. And I'm like, what? And then I thought, I like, thought he was like passing out or something. I immediately started thinking R. Kelly, um, the remix to Ignition. So I was like, oh, is there some sort of dance move to that or whatever? I, my mind worked a tad more uh, specifically than maybe yours did, but just gearing down and then Dishmaster was terrific. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's not exactly new to most people in hockey, but just the way he said it, he was like, yeah, 29 goals. He's a real dish master. And, uh, then the fact that he's driving a truck around now for construction and people are bugging him for autographs. That was hockey players. Uh, hockey players really are some of the greatest people to hang out with. Uh, as far as that'd be a great draft. Maybe we should do it that way. Just social groups of people that you would want to hang out with. All right, let's let's workshop that a little bit later. So yeah, gear down. I kind of probably phrased that the wrong way. You probably wouldn't be in a room full of guys being like, "Hey, I'm gonna gear down." But you know, who knows? You know, after some, after pickup hoops, you might Brad say, would "Hey, say it. there's nothing wrong with that." Brad would Brad be like, "Hey guys, hey boys, I'm gearing down here." <laughs> before we start working out. All right, speaking of, we got an email here, not about pull-ups. Don't worry about it. Um, learning MMA later in life. Here we do. Uh, here we go. 6'1", 210, 28 years old, went on a little bulk during corona, probably around 20% body fat. 
missed the summer cut, uh, but I also feel a lethargic. Um, also, don't really want to not be able to see my lower abs. Okay. Plus, I live in Florida. Winter isn't a thing. But getting to my question, I'm the third child of four, two older brothers and a younger sister. My family's littered with badasses, martial artists everywhere. Grandfather Marine, uncle in the Army. Dad was a Navy sailor and black belt who was active in training my older brothers who subsequently went on to do the same. There's about a 10-year gap between my older brothers and me. So we didn't have the same experience. My father was in his 40s when I was born. And uh, I, as a kid with a short attention span, needless to say, my dad was also a little older and didn't, for whatever reason, force me into training in um, karate, I guess, here. All right. And if I'm being honest, I would lack discipline in my childhood, so I never took to studying any martial arts. Fast forward to now, I've become a pretty avid UFC fan, and I have this growing interest in the philosophy behind the martial arts. Long story uh Am I too old to start training? Obviously, I'm not trying to become a pro here, but I don't think my ego will allow for me to walk to a class and start throwing front leg kicks uh, with a bunch of 10-year-olds. In addition, uh, there is that line from Nas playing in my head where he made fun of Jay-Z for being 30 in karate class, the Taibo Ho line. Kyle knows what's up. Bottom line, this applies to a bunch of different things in my life where I can't seem to check my ego enough to try new things for fear of being bad or making fool of myself. Any advice on trying new things in spite of this fear uh, would be helpful. Thanks. Okay, what I'm reading here is a guy that just, he wants to do this, but he's, he cares what people think. Um, we've said this a lot on the pod. It, it'd be awesome, you know, the people, the number of people that think they don't care what people think <laughs> and the number of people that actually don't care what people think, is that's a wide gap. And most of us care in certain elements um, here. But my guess is, is if you were, if you were on your own in a town where like nobody knew you or thought you were 30 and depending on what discipline that you want to study, um, the only hang-up is all this bullshit that doesn't mean anything, all right? Yes, you don't want to be in a class with a bunch of little kids. Uh, it's the worst. You don't want to be doing that. But you, what you need to find is, and it's the same thing. Like, I know exactly what you're saying. Like, you kind of like to learn how to be a badass. You might not just be, you might just, you may not be wired like Brad Wingfield, so I don't know that that's going to happen. Maybe you are, I don't know. Um, but, the whole line of like, hey, I don't want to actually like be in the octagon in three years. Don't worry. You're probably not going to be good enough. Um, so don't worry about that. But there's definitely a place where you can find whatever it is that you need, um, whether it's, you know, getting your ass kicked for a little while. All right. Well, that should motivate you. But like showing up and not being good at it, that's where everybody else started. And yes, they did it when they were younger than you. And now you're a little bit older. But it sounds like you really want to do this. And your only hang up is all the stuff that doesn't matter. Now, what does it matter? Do you think they think you're going to be good the first time you roll around and grapple with them? Nope. Do you think you're going to be start checking their kicks or your form is going to be awesome on stuff? Nope. Like it's going to be hard to keep your arms up for a couple minutes the first time you ever do it. A couple minutes. Hell, 30 seconds. You know what I'm saying? So you're going to suck at all of this, but they expect you to suck at it. What what they'll respect is, depending on, again, who you're working with here, is if you keep showing up to get your ass kicked and coming back and putting in the effort and then improving. So we all, look, all of us, I'm not as good at surfing right now as I thought I was going to be. I'm just not. I have great opportunity to get better at it, and it's a little bit like golf, where every time... You know, like when you suck at golf, you don't want to golf as much. And yep. I can't believe like I'd go down to Maui and I was up all day and then I come back to Manhattan Beach. I'm like, yeah, I'm just 
sometimes I'm just not hitting that perfect moment of making my decision of when to get up and turn the board into the wave. I should be better, but I also should be better because I should be going more. But there's times if it's really crowded and there's like a nice clean break, but there's a bunch of guys lined up. And again, it's Manhattan Beach over here, so it's not like we're in Santa Cruz. Um, But I'll be like, "Ah, I don't want to go out there because I suck. And it's the wrong. So I'm giving you advice that I don't listen to. But the reason I'm giving it to you is because I know exactly what you're going through. So there you go. Kyle? Um, Yeah, no, you're right. I was going to ask you about, like, do you surf around dudes? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like, you'll surf around dudes? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what what if there's like seven dudes or like, I don't know. Uh... I will, yeah, I just got, I've gotten over like, okay, hey, I'm going to suck. Like they can tell immediately the way you're paddling in and out of stuff. They they know whether or not, look, am I terrible? No. I mean, I can get up most of the day. It just doesn't go as well as I thought I would, you know, like I got to stop watching videos of dudes tearing it up <laughs> because I, apparently that isn't going to happen. I don't know. That was kind of the plan, but that's all right. I still, when it's, when it's a good day, you're like, all right, that's cool. But I should be going way more often, but I can tell exactly what happens is I get up, I prep, I tape, and then I want to lift. And then I get back. And if the, the, the wind is the wrong way and then it's all choppy in the afternoon and you're like, Oh, you know, I should be out there at six, 7am, you know, three mornings a week, getting better, cleaner waves. But if it's really, really crowded in the beginning, I'd go, Oh, I don't want to go out there because I suck. Now I'll just find a different part of the break, which maybe isn't as nice. But I'm just not going enough. I'm just not going enough. And the reason I wasn't going for a good, it wasn't because I didn't want to get in the water. It was lower of a hang up of like, hey, I'm terrible. And, you know, and honestly, who gives a shit? Lance from Redondo doesn't think I'm any good. Like, <laughs> bummer. Who, who's Lance? I don't even know if Lance is real. So I, I'm all, you know, the reason I think the life advice thing works it's not because I think I'm so smart and I'm so disciplined and I do all this stuff. It's probably because I fucked up most stuff. So that's always kind of the point of this. Um, and so hopefully it, that helps a little. So you got anything to add there? You got anything oh, yeah. that you'd like to do? So I could see you wanting to get like a mandolin going, but you think it's too late for you. No, not a mandolin, but I've definitely fallen victim of the, oh, what are people thinking about me while I'm doing this? I'm not going to do it, which sucks because like, for example, like I was playing some pickup soccer. You know, I didn't grow up playing soccer. I have zero first touch. I have no skill. I just kind of bring the energy. And sometimes I'm not even in great shape. And there'll be times when I'm like, ah, do I want to run out there and like embarrass myself in front of guys that played in college or whatever? They're going to be judging me. And you know what? They never do. They never judge you. If you play hard, it's totally fine. And then at the end of the day, when I come home, I'm super happy that I actually did it. I got a workout in. I was exercising. I was outside. I was doing something I like. I met some new dudes. So I, you can get in your own head way too much about this stuff. And we often think that people are constantly judging us, which sometimes they are. And honestly, if you're talking about Lance or Rondondo, who cares about Lance, as you said, but if you're having a good time and you're enjoying this and your like life is being fulfilled because of it, then just do it, man. You're going to be happy afterwards. That's why I don't golf. Golfing's a whole different story because actually golfers can be very judgy, especially if you're on the first tee and there's a bunch of dudes watching you. I've seen it so much on TV, like people waiting for people to golf and finish their shit that like I just would be terrified or I would just totally cheat and be like all right I can't have these guys wait on me so we'll just add a stroke here or something I don't know here's what you gotta do though with golf you gotta go with guys that aren't great like you know because if you're if you're golfing as a new golfer with a scratch golfer it's gonna be awkward the entire time because that's got he's gonna be hitting great shots you're gonna be lacking behind you're gonna feel self-conscious about it you kind of have to go with other guys that suck 
Yeah, I'm petrified, and I don't know any guys that suck, so I think I'll just be in this state forever. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, like, the golf thing, you could you could also just golf with people that aren't assholes. You could golf with your friends. And yes, if there's somebody who's never golfed before and there's three guys out there that have been swinging it for 20-plus years, you're not their first choice, but if they're your friends, then they understand. Like, I remember the second time I ever went, and I went with the guy that owned the bar that I was managing, and I was like 21, maybe. Uh, you know, I don't. I think it was like summer after everybody graduated, it was gone, so I was still up there. And I went to like a local course. It wasn't that great of a course. And there was a bunch of like guys that were like local Vermonter types, you know, late 20s, early 30s, which, you know, at the time they feel like they're 80 when you're just out of college. And, you know, I hit an iron shot and I completely like topped it, missed it. It was like straight up embarrassing. And they all sat there and laughed at me. And I looked at him and I'm like, you haven't seen your dick in a fucking month. Like, hey, you guys can all like <laughs> take it easy. I was pissed. And then the guy that owned the place, who's kind of a badass, was was like, hey, it's the second time golfing ever. You guys like, are you guys serious with this shit right now? And I was and the thing is, is like, hey, just just keep going. I mean, that's kind of one of the bigger lessons in life. And like, it sucks that any of this stuff happens. You know what I mean? Like, just think how much happier you would be. be like, hey, I'm going to try this thing out and be terrible at it for a little while, totally. not be judged, not have anxiety about it. And then I'm going to go ahead and do it. You know, I mean, hell, it's a lot like this business. You know, most I, of the times, most of the times when you're on the air in the beginning, you're not ready for it. I, I certainly wasn't in the beginning, but I wasn't going to go, oh, I don't want to be doing a baseball game because I'm going to be terrible. I knew I was going to be terrible doing play by play baseball, but I was like, I don't give a shit because this is the path. This is the start of what I'm going to do. And if I'm actually going to be on the air, I'm going to go ahead and do it. So, I mean, that's a little different because it's your career and you're feeling more desperate, but it happens all the time with all this different stuff. And most of us end up not doing these things because of a bunch of bullshit reasons that ultimately when you add them up mean nothing. They mean nothing at the end of the ledger in your life. Nothing. And people are preventing themselves from learning an instrument. People don't do all sorts of different things. Now, granted, look, if you if you called me tomorrow and said, hey, I never played basketball. Can I run pickup with you? And I've never touched a ball and I'm 38. I'm going to say no. But <laughs> there's it's there's certain things like you said, Saruti, your first touch, never growing up playing soccer. It's probably something you never really will be able to develop. But there's plenty of other stuff that people could do. And I'd have to ask Saruti, do you wear a headband? You must there must be some sort of hair accessory that motivates you to want to go out there and run around. Well, my hair's short now, but I did wear a headband back when yes. it was long, and Obviously. especially with the bun. Uh, and I, I showed up. And here's the thing, too, is back when I had the bun and I would show up to pick up, guys would think I was nasty because, oh, he has like that kind of that Euro look to him. So they would pick me kind of high in the drafts because they didn't know who I was. And I was it was even more pressure on me because I'm like, damn, these guys think I'm good now and I'm going to go out there and kind of suck. I'm, I'm a I'm a max effort guy. Like, I'll, I'll run around. I'll do what it takes. I'll track guys down. But there's going to be no skill moves for me whatsoever. So kind of guys kind of got disappointed. I actually had that kind of phobia of the gym, too, because I'm not a big guy and I don't really know what I'm doing in the gym either. Now I could do kind of home workouts, so it's better. But I would avoid the gym because I was just like people are judging me and I'm like super scrawny and I don't want people to judge me and think that who the hell is this guy? He doesn't know what he's doing and start laughing at me. Yeah, look, I avoided the gym, too. Right out of college, I, I wasn't as my frame started to fill out. I wasn't strong at all at all. I went on for years, but I just kept going in. Um, I think you probably should not have shown up in the gear you showed up to at these pickup <laughs> soccer games though like you probably should have just worn an extra large rude dog yep. shirt from from zare <laughs> or ames i'm sure bradley's i'm just trying ames. to think ames nice. shout out to ames ames is the one the reference that you guys are probably going to get so that might have been on you but i mean i know i don't know if there's some final thought on all of this because this isn't exactly groundbreaking stuff but i would i would tell you look just talking about it 
there's still stuff I'd like to do, but you go, oh, you know, whatever. I mean, I really wish I'd learned an instrument 15 years ago. And I just was like, no, I have to watch basketball. All those times I could have been watching games I couldn't stand watching anymore. I could just strum it out chord, chord changes, Kyle. Keyboard player? I actually would have pegged you as a sax guy. Oh, really? That doesn't... Where's that coming from? I don't know. I don't know. You brought up jazz enough times where it's like, that's kind of surprising for me. So I figured you probably appreciate the saxophones of those songs and you probably like to fucking riff on one of those. You know what would be sick? Nothing as cool as a guitar, but... Well, I was going to say, you know what would be sick? Because KOC is like nasty at guitar, right? Yeah, Not yeah. nasty, but he's good at it. He's really good at it. Like you can yeah. like form some sort of like NBA rock band duo where he play like you play the keyboard and he plays the guitar and you guys go on tour. It's like your second gig. People would love that. That's easily the worst idea you've ever come up with. No, the entire I love time it. I'm, I'm for it. I guarantee you the Ringer audience, if they did a live stream once a week of you and KOC playing instruments, that would probably do crazy numbers. There would probably be Ringer tech guys that unplug my shit. Maybe. All right, let's do one more. I um, eh, feel like we've done this one before, but we're probably going to do it again. Friends with the X. Oh, he went to Vermont. All right, so that's why we're going to do it. The essentials of the situation are this. My ex and I split up nearly two years ago, but remained friends. She's seeing this other guy, but recently hit me up during a wine Wednesday. Oh, so that means she was having a couple sobs and some text about missing me, wanting to see me as soon as possible and needing a hug. Oh, she said, I needing a hug from you. All right. I'm essentially done with grad school, just turned 25 and feel myself wanting something more serious. So I can't help but read these texts and start thinking maybe I have a second chance here. I'm not even sure if she's still seeing this guy. She and I haven't caught up in about seven weeks. And I can imagine she wouldn't just randomly text me. Hey, I'm single now. Uh, It would probably be something cryptic like this. Uh, Okay. All right. So cryptic meaning, hey, needing a hug from you. I mean, dude, she's hitting you up and say like, needing a hug from you. That's significant. I mean, if it was at 4 a.m. on a Saturday, maybe you'd think a little differently. And then if she never got in touch with you again, but the follow-up. So wait a minute, needing a hug from you and then you haven't talked for seven weeks? I don't know. Maybe her for Saturday, 4 a.m. is a 6 p.m. Wednesday. Who knows? We've agreed to grab coffee soon. How do I play this? I feel like I need a solid 15 minutes of small talk uh, before I can come right out and say, why did you, uh, did you dump this guy yet? Because I'm all in. Bold Jesus move. Christ. Bold move. I would not suggest that. I'm not saying it couldn't work, but um, I would not suggest that. I don't want her thinking we've only stayed friends because I've had this motive. And honestly, if she doesn't want to get back together, I'd be okay. But instead, if she does, it's game changing. Uh, there you go. All right. So, Girlfriend broke up two years ago. He finishes grad school. He's uh, 25. He wants to get back together. Clearly, he wants to almost be like, hey, did you jump this guy because I'm all in? Um, Him saying, I I don't want to do that and then tell her we've only stayed friends because I've had this motive. Honestly, who cares? Like if, if you've stayed friends because you're still interested and you care about this person, that's as flattering as just wanting to be friends. Um, Here's what I would ask you. Maybe this is the one, right? Maybe this is the one. And... That's why you still have these feelings. And then they've been re- rekindled a bit here. And it's also, she's part of this too. Like if she feels this way about you saying, hey, I miss you, need a hug and all that kind of stuff. If that's real, then it's on and you're going to be good here. If it's not real, then it's totally bullshit. And she's just fucking with you because you're just, whatever's going on with the guy in the building who they met during the pandemic, which again, every one of you guys that write in about these relationships that you don't want to keep happening, you'll emphasize, but like, you know, dude, it happened during quarantine. You know, like every quarantine relationship <laughs> is bullshit. Although I would agree that, yes, there's probably a higher 
percentage of bullshit relationships because of quarantine and just simplicity and being like, hey, we're in the same building. You know, I guess we can watch Crown Girl again. All right. So um, I would on this one. I, here's here's all the stuff that I would ask yourself. Did you just graduate grad school and because you've been so busy and you haven't had much of a social life and we're coming out of a pandemic, do you feel this way about her because she is the one or is it because it's the one that's still talking to you? And that's an important thing to figure out. I remember, you know, there was a girl from college. It was pretty toxic the entire time. And then, you know, I go, I stay in Burlington. I had fun, but I'm a loser. I dated somebody pretty seriously. I end up in New Jersey. That was a disaster. I end up on the vineyard working construction and I'm commuting back and forth. And I finally like get to Boston. I'm starting to get some normal regular radio fill-in shifts for this affiliate that nobody listened to. And the girl from college like pops back up into the scene. You know, I hang out a couple of times. And one of my friends, a close friend at the time was like, hey, what are you doing? You don't even like her. I don't even think she likes you. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. And we're like, look, you moved to Boston. You don't have any money. Your confidence is probably shot. You've been through a bunch of shitty jobs. And, you know, you're probably just going with something that's convenient here. That's probably going to make you feel worse again, though. Like whatever, whatever you think you're doing, you're, this is all like temporary. And it's probably just going to be even worse. And I was like, man, he's right. He's right. And I kind of knew it already. But he was right, and I just sort of called it off, and she was like, what the fuck? And I was like, what are we doing? Like, you know, we met, we met when we were 18. Like, what are we doing? Um, you, however, seem to look at this differently. And it, this is somebody you want to spend, I think, a lot of time with. But just make sure that that's the reason. Make sure it's because of her and not your situation. All right? But if she sincerely is texting you, hey, miss you, need a hug, and all of that stuff, all right? If that's all real stuff, then you're probably good. You know what I mean? You're, pro- you're probably pretty good here. But I'm slightly worried for you that she had some wines and whatever attention she's not getting from the guy that she's dating, if she's still dating him, that you were there to fill some sort of temporary vo- void. Because if she's saying need a hug and you didn't hear from her for seven weeks, that's not great. Kyle? I'm actually happy for this dude. Because what I'm getting, he's 25. He's done with school. I'm going to assume he's handsome for purposes of what I'm feeling for him. I'm going to assume he's a handsome guy. And I'm just thinking back to when I was like done with school. And there was like, you know, I was like kind of bouncing around. There was like a girl I'd meet here, a girl I'd meet there. Yeah. And and then also, but then also like a, a girl that like I was kind of, you know, really, really liked. And I probably, I did. I told her I loved her probably way too early and all that stuff. And, you know, she's How early? doing whatever she's doing now. Um <laughs> I don't know. It was probably like six, seven months or something in. Oh, I don't know. I, yeah, it's not the worst. I was going to think, I thought he was going to say three weeks, Rudy. Oh, yeah, that, you know, six, child, seven of, weeks. child of divorce, it, it makes you, it makes you think every, you're messing everything up. But I guess what I'm saying is, is like to Uh-oh. have even like, to be having like regular girls that you're like meeting out and about doing your thing. And then also to have another girl from your past that you're pretty sure you love. That's like, you're not sure where you guys stand, but you're kind of not all in, but you guys can hang out and it's like nothing you like you haven't missed a beat, but nobody's like, um, there's no like real stakes there. That's the best. 
that's the best. And because then you can kind of you can kind of coast and see what happens with her. And and you're also kind of hanging out with other girls here and there. If you're going out to a bar or whatever, that you wouldn't be driving yourself crazy until you can figure out what she's doing. So I'm actually happy for this guy. I would just say, like, just fucking pump the brakes, be available when you're available. But that's it. Like, don't hang because you're going to be disappointed if you're just waiting on every word that she's saying and you got to figure out what's going on with this guy. Just be cool. And she'll notice that you're being cool. And just like be a guy who's done with school and 25 and handsome and has this kind of this girl on a line and also explore your options like you can you can balance all those things. It's not going to be crazy. Good for you. I'm actually happy for you. That was really good, Kyle. Seriously, just go into it. Maybe don't even ask her any questions about herself. You know, you're like, you know, I graduated. This is what I'm thinking about. Here's the next plan. Here's the next year. Here's the next five years. Here's the next 25 years, international contacts, et cetera. Um, and then you could be like at the very end, be like, oh, you're dating that guy, right? Oh, you are? Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Off to Switzerland. Ice cold. Totally. Just be cool, man. It'll yeah. work out for you that way. Kyle, I think everything, everything you said is right. The only thing is he has to stick to that plan. Like he can't just be all in all eggs in the basket on this girl which is what happens a lot in these situations i kind of feel like some dudes fall into that trap where they go i don't know if i'm gonna meet anybody else i really loved her she's showing me some attention so i'm gonna shut everything down and you know go that route 100 you know i think as you said be available talk to this girl be intriguing don't post a ton of stuff about you going out if you are on social media and keep in touch with her and if, ha if it happens great and if not you meet somebody else it's totally fine yeah, you you can abandon that plan any you can abandon the cool, happy go lucky, whatever happens plan anytime, but stick to that plan to start. That's what I mean. Yeah, that way you won't even then you won't be disappointed. And if it doesn't work out, yeah, don't go on a spiral, don't be bummed out, just move on with your life. Yeah, yeah, no problem on that last part, Sarudi. If the girl of your dreams doesn't like you and was fucking with you after a couple of wines about missing you and is still dating that guy, just don't let that impact your mood whatsoever. Listen, I'm not saying it's easy. I've been a guy who's fallen into this trap before and been like, let me try to get back with my ex. And it usually ends in disappointment. You just have to know that going in. So if you are clear with yourself, you're not going to get heartbroken. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm like, okay. But I mean, what you just said is like, well, this is a that, really this hard is the advice. What do you want? I mean, it's I'm not saying it's easy to do. Like, <laughs> hey, do you want to lose 100 pounds? All right, go to the gym every day and eat less calories. I'm not saying it's easy to do, but that's what you have to do. You're right. You're right. I just thought you were so matter of fact about something that is, you know, if guys could have figured that one out and actually stuck to it and emotionally detached themselves from things and, you know, guys would have had a much better time. What's the most bummed out you've ever been in a relationship, Saruti? You know, obviously, I'm assuming not, uh, not your marriage. I dated this girl. Well, it's funny. I dated this girl in high school for a while in bled into college a little bit. We broke up and you know, we kept in touch for, for years and it would, it, it just sucked because it lingered and you never knew what was going on. And I felt like I put some parts of my like love life on hold for that. And it's a terrible decision. That's what I'm trying to tell this guy to avoid that trap. Go out and meet other people in your, in your mid twenties, your mid 20 year old, as Kyle said, good looking dude, do you. And if this works out great, if not, there's plenty of other, uh, there's plenty of other fish in the sea, right? There you go. That's, that's a dad, that's a dad piece of advice, but it's good stuff. You know, I always I always kind of joke about it now, even though I was devastated when I when I had the failed proposal. <laughs> and, you know, I'm home. My father would come over. And I was like, great. And I love my dad. I was like, ah. <laughs> he goes, it going? I'm like, it's not going great, man. It's not going good. What? And, you know, we joking. And I was like, well, you know, she's pretty short. He's like, I told you. I told your mom that your kids were going to be so short. He's like, you dodged a huge bullet. 
I was like, all right, you can back off a little on this. Like, you, you don't have to be celebrating it. He's like, I'm telling you, huge bullet. I was like, all right, cool. Thanks. Feel better. Well, your dad's like 6'6", six, six, right? Yeah, he's 6'5". Yeah, so, you know, being tall is important to him. I get that. Being tall is very important to him. Thanks for checking out today's podcast. We're going to have Kevin Clark on preview the NFL season on Friday. We are also going to do a little on F1 um, and a bunch of other things. So we've got it all mapped out. We'll update the QB stock stuff quarterly. So a month in, we'll have new prices, see who won or lost, how their portfolio is doing. So please subscribe, spread the word, rate and review. Ryan's little podcast, Ringer, Spotify. Thanks to Kyle and Steve. Thank you.